Welcome to the Ray of Hope Church podcast. We believe that hope changes everything, so get ready for an encouraging message from the Word of God. We pray that you would receive wisdom and revelation as you grow in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Would you guys stand up with me as we go to Scripture this morning? I would like to welcome you if you're watching by any device through our streaming. Thank you so much. You are a part of this. Let's give all those guys a big clap, man. We want you guys to know that we love you and we're on your side and we are family. Thank you so much and thank you guys. You're so beautiful. In case anybody hasn't told you that today, you guys are so much more responsive than my dashboard. Thank you for being responsive. Hey, if you guys would turn to Romans chapter 10, verses 8 and 9, we're going to kind of go back to the basics here a little bit. I feel unique spirit, so I'm going to say this. If you're at home or if you're in the congregation, the Lord begins to speak to you. You can put my notes to the side because you can always go back on Facebook and write down some stuff because I really feel that there's a spirit in here that God wants to speak to us about this coming week of fasting. There's some expectation that he wants to, um, you know, get, get stirred up with inside of us. So take out that notebook or take out your phone and begin to jot that down so whenever you're fasting and praying this week, You can pray and fast for that and say, God, I remember when you told me about that. Amen? All right, let's read Scripture together, Romans 10, 8 and 9. But what does it say? Now, this is Paul writing to his friends in Rome. The word is near you in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith that we proclaim. Because if we confess with your mouth, because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Anybody prayed that prayer in here? Yeah, me too. Salvation is wonderful. Amen? Amen. Let's get that blood pumping, baby. Let's bow. Father, we love you. Our hearts are bowed to you. Thank you so much for being in this place. Speak to our hearts. Change our life. And everybody says? Amen. Amen. Wave at your neighbor as you go for a seat. Yeah, you guys get to be Mr. Rogers today. Welcome to my neighborhood. All right. See, I have an expectation of how I sing, and then when it comes out, it doesn't meet my expectation. You guys know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Save it for the shower, buddy. Save it for the shower. When I was probably 9 or 10 or 11 years old, I'm going to tell on myself here, but when I was that age, my father bought a Caprice Classic. It's a four-door car. You remember those old cars that were heavy, man? You'd shut the door on your finger, and it might break all four of them, right? Today, with the cars, you shut your hand on it, and you bend the door. Your hand's fine, you bend the door, right? It was one of those old heavy cars, man. It was, it was a great car. It was uh, from, a, from a, my great-grandmother, and she had passed away, and he had purchased that from them, and uh, he did all kinds of work on it to get the inside prepared for us and repainted the outside and put pinstripe down it. And it was just really beautiful. Put new chrome on the windows and different things like that. Well, of course, we're from the country. I can't tell you how, but there was an arrowhead laying in the console of our car. Why was there an arrowhead? I don't know. We're from Oklahoma. Probably find all kinds of stuff, shotgun shells and everything else. Well, I decided to pick that up one day. That was whenever you had the hand crank windows, hand crank that window down, set on it, put outside, and begin to scribe my name in the chrome. Yeah, I was not very smart, okay? I scribed my name in this, and it reminds me of the times when I taught in junior high and people go in there and vandalize the bathroom. Well, how'd you know I did it? Because you wrote your name on the bathroom stall, okay? You're the only one in the entire school that has pink lipstick. Don't kiss it next time and write your name. That's bad. So I scribe my name on this thing, and about the time I get through, I realize that that was not very smart. 
couple weeks later, my dad, or a month later, whatever it is, that my parents haven't seen it, and I'm not about to say anything, they, uh, they pull it into the garage, and he begins to jack it up, and he begins to work on it. And I just, I was out there with him while he was working on it. And my simple prayer was, God, don't let him see my name. That was it. I didn't care if the car got fixed. I didn't, I'd prefer that it blew up and burned down. <laughs> yeah, you know. We didn't do timeouts back then. That wasn't an option. I was worried about a lot more than a timeout, right? Oh, I had an expectation in my soul that if my father found out, uh, man, I was doing everything in the world to try to attract his attention and, Thank goodness I'm here before you. That's how we know he didn't notice it. But inside of me, there was this expectation that was bubbling the whole time. Every time he would walk close to it or walk away or or work, that I knew if he saw it, man, there was going to be some reckoning. And in my soul, I feel that same type of expectation now. We know that our physical parents, they love us, but they have to correct us like our Heavenly Father does. But our Heavenly Father is in the same manner, have got some things in our life. And we should feel that type of expectation when He speaks to our soul about some things that He wants to do in our life. When He speaks to our soul about a direction that He wants us to take. That our, our spirit fills with elation because we know that He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. Amen. That He is a rewarder of those who will, who will take stuff off the table and make time. And many of you guys are going to do it this week, if not all, through prayer and through fasting. And I promise you, as we do that as individuals, we will grow as we do that as a corporate body we will grow and we will see God do things through our church that will bless our community and our state can I get an amen amen, amen. I know you guys at home amen in it too baby we, we know it but God will do that and that's that expectation and sometimes we hold that expectation for the bad and we need to say no I want to hold it for the good we want to be careful but there's some things in our life that can diminish expectation that can dampen our expectations in life the first thing that i want to discuss we're going to discuss two major things things that diminish expectation and then how do we nurture or increase our expectation because right now i hope you feel like you're expecting something in your gut like god is doing something he's speaking to your soul because i promise you whenever god speaks through the senior pastor and the church launches out into a month deal where it says we're expecting it's because he wants his people of ray of hope to expect something good He wants us to expect him to speak to us and expect him to open up doors and expect him to do things that blow our mind. Why? Because he is a God that does exceedingly abundantly above all we could ask or think. Amen? Amen. Amen. You guys are helping me preach, and I appreciate that. I appreciate that. So the first thing that we see that diminish expectations is experiences. Any of you guys ever had a bad experience? Reminds me of that movie that I saw and the guy is deaf in the right ear and somebody's asking him, why are you deaf in the right ear? He goes, I had a bad experience. Well, experiences can go bad or they can go good. They don't live up to the expectations that we put before them or we create a fake fake picture of what it should look like. Anybody's ever done that? Uh, We see some glimpses and some other things in people's lives and I wish my life could look like that. Truth is their life looks just like yours, just not in that 10 second clip that they put up on the internet or wherever it's at. But those experiences, the redundancy of those experiences, we have a bad one, and then we have another bad one, then we have another bad one, and sometimes you can just see it happening unfold right before your eyes. And then you got the grind of those experiences where you're trying to make it go better. You're trying to invest and to teach and to sow, but it just doesn't seem like it's happening like you pictured it in your mind. 
And all of a sudden, our focus gets on that experience or past experiences and what happens. We diminish our expectations because our experiences begin to say, no, this is what God can do. As opposed to looking towards his word and letting the spirit of God speak to us and say, no, this is what I can do. But those experiences, we've got money and time and energy invested into them. And they can diminish what we feel like God can do. Mary was telling me a story, and I have permission. I now have permission when I tell stories about my wife. Just clarification, okay? I had an old guy tell me that one time. He said, Matt, you better get permission, son. Marriage is a good thing, and if you want to stay married, get permission. Okay. You know it's true. You know it's true. We were talking the other day, and she said, she was telling me about one of her first jobs that she had. And it was for an organization that would go in and set up for weddings and these special occasions and events. And she thought, oh, this is going to be so great. I'm going to get to learn to set up for weddings and do all this different stuff. Well, her first task was she was the balloon animal person at Golden Corral. (laughs) Yeah, and she didn't even know how to tie a balloon animal. (laughs) So once they figured out that you can't tie a balloon animal, they said, well, we've got another job for you. Okay, she's going to be the face painter at the Golden Corral for every Tuesday night. Well, they found out she was good, so she got a promotion. They said, man, you're doing so good. We're going to put you as the balloon house attendant. So she got to go in there and watch that bounce house night after night with those kiddos as they bounced in the deal at Golden Corral. She said, Matt, it's really not setting up weddings like I thought it was going to be and these different things. She said, the expectations that I had set forth didn't really meet the experience that I had. She even goes back and works in their shop and, uh, whenever she was young. and Same thing, she would make balloon decorations for schools and different things like that. But she was just chuckling and laughing to me that saying, hey, my experience did not match up to the expectations that I had. But hey, she still got to deal with kids, all them guys in that little bounce house. Yeah, not very much fun, man. But she did it. But sometimes we can be jaded in experiences like that. And certainly she, uh, she grew past that. Thank the Lord she's now a counselor and leading all kinds of kids. <laughs> so she didn't let it hold her back. She went back and got her education and did what she needed to do. And I chuckle about that because many times in our life that's how it is. An experience didn't turn out like we want it to. So now we're going to shut the door and we shut our heart. And we, shut, we build up walls and we shut doors to things that we really should be open to. But God, I had some bad experiences. We all have bad experiences. And my, my heart has to be set on the expectation of God, what he's doing in my life. Proverbs 16 and 4 says, The Lord has made everything for its purpose, even the wicked for the day of trouble. God's sovereign and he has control over everything. We wonder sometimes why he doesn't do this or why he doesn't do that. Why don't you insert yourself here or God, what's going on? But listen, the scripture reassures us that he has the wicked under control if we'll just give it to him do we understand it all no because my finite mind can't understand a sovereign god that's over the universe and the world but you know what i'm going to choose to believe in that faith anybody else yes i know you guys are but we can't let our experiences guide our expectations next thing i I was praying about is choices of early exits now this is very important here in our generation our stick-to-itness is not a word but you know what i mean it's just not really sticky. <laughs> Sometimes we have a tendency to pull back. 
We have a tendency to look for an exit, and not just in generation, in this generation, but in life. Uh, the heat's turned up, the expectations rise, and we look for an exit. Listen, that will diminish the expectations because it's in that moment when God turns up the fire a little bit and allows us to walk through some stuff, allows us to get developed, that He's got some plans for us because He wants to expand our capacity. And looking for an exit is not what he's saying to do. He's saying, no, tough it out. Dig in your heels. I've got something great for you. Remember, I'm a rewarder. That's exciting news, and I'll calm down. You know how you just get caught up in the moment? Sorry about that. I just got caught up in thinking about the goodness of God. Because we can't look for early exits. And we all want to. Relationships marriage and jobs i mean so many different ways we're saying god show me the door you guys if you know who jerry clower is but jerry clower was doing some kind of comedy or ministry in a church they brought out the snakes he wasn't a snake guy he said where's the back door they said there's not one he goes where do you want a back door at because i'll put you one there that's still funny i think we've told it 50 times still funny i love jerry clower that's how we are sometimes, God. I, there's no back door. Well, I didn't put there one for you, son, because I want you to tough this deal out. And then we go in there and start forcing doors open and making things where there's not, and we wonder why life is in shambles and things happen. Well, God told us to stick it out. He said, listen, there's no early exits here. I've got a plan for your life. I'm developing you for something. Your business, dig in your heels. Your, your career, dig in your heels. Your marriage, dig in your heels. Because at the end of this thing, we're going to be so much greater than we were. We're going to touch not only the lives of children, but the lives in the community that goes way past what we could think or imagine. People are looking at us to saying, what are you going to do? You said you're a Christian. Do you really believe? And then God will allow some of that thing to come on us. We say, no, we're not going to look for an early exit. If you're in high school, you're not getting to play as much as you are on the team, as much as you want to. Tough it out anyways. Keep showing up to practice. You're not getting the admiration at school that you want or the accomplishments. Keep showing up. Keep doing the work. Keep being respectful. Keep being honorable. Because God honors that. Amen. Some of those adults, yeah, everybody says amen on that one. Hang in there. Don't look for early exits. Because when we look for early exits, our life begins to change. Our focus begins to change. And saying, instead of saying, how can I get bigger, faster, stronger? How can I do what I need to do and be where God has me to be and develop those things in my life and stretch my capacity? Now all I do is concentrate on getting out. And that's not what God wants us to do. I've been starting a new, not, it's not a devotional, it's, it's a new planning that I want to put into my life. And it sets me up on a 90-day course because really most habits are created in 90 days. I found some really difficult things. I thought maybe I would just start two or three weeks into it. Not so. <laughs> I'm still struggling a little bit. But I go back to it and I go back because I want to develop some of that scheduling and different things in my life. But that planner has taught me that, guys, and you know this, sometimes it takes 90 days. It's funny, we can break a habit that's, uh, we can create a bad habit in like three days, can't we? Good habits, it takes time to create, you know? And we can sometimes get rid of those good habits quicker than we think, too. But 90 days, so keep looking for God and don't look for early exits. The third thing that I want to discuss real quick is long journeys without destination. Oh, my goodness. Those things can diminish our expectations. If you look at all the different cultures and if you look at all the different uh, religions, uh, not cultures, excuse me, all the different religions that were made from some kind of long journey where people left their families or, or left something behind and went out and sat for however long and meditated or it's based off a system that oppresses people. 
whenever they go out on this journey and they create that and they have no destination, it usually turns to selfishness and violence. And we can prove that on paper. So where they had went out with the expectation that God's going to speak to me and I'm going to build up and I'm going to increase and I'm going to do all this, well, their mind began to be bogged down with all these different things. Pastor Ronnie and I were talking the other day. Whenever the, whenever the Bible says to set your mind on these things, whenever the Bible says look at the things above and not the things below, what it, if, if our mind is the vehicle which God speaks to us through and we know that he does, what are we doing? Whenever we choose to set our mind on those things, it's like we're putting car doors on a car with no doors. We're saying, no, nothing can get in or nothing can get out. God, I'm going to treat my vehicle in a way that I can hear your voice. So I'm going to set those parameters and set those things above and not below. Amen? But when people go out without a destination, they don't know how to identify their destination, they're in dangerous territory because we're open for all sorts of things. Cruise ships never go out there and float around without going to daily destinations. They don't go out there in the ocean and float around and come back, right? They go out and they have places they're going to go. There's a schedule, and we can do the same thing. Because if we go out and we say, well, I'm just going to act like an old hippie, right? Oh, man, I tell you, I've just been on a journey. No, you've been doing something else, but it ain't been on a journey, right? No, you used the last three brain cells to say that you're on a journey. <laughs> You know, I mean, seriously, though, right? We've we got to have that destination, that place that God put in our heart. Proverbs 16 and 9 says, The heart of a man's plans, or excuse me, the heart of a man plans his ways, but the Lord establishes his, his steps. What's the Lord saying? Have some plans. Ha have a destination. What do you want your marriage to look like? What do you want your relationship to look like? What do you want your kids to, how do you want to influence your kids? What do you want your career to look like? Let's make some projections down the road here. But realize that God establishes the steps. So God, here are my plans. I've prayed for them. I sought you. I thought that this is the journey and the destination that I need to be on. And here's where I want to wind up. But God, if I take this step, is that okay? And then if he speaks to me, I have to listen because he might say, no, I want you to step right instead of step left. I want you to do this instead of do that. Now, we can't get caught up on so much where to go and what to do all the time because, you know, God is in. God, God, God is, wants us to serve him. Sometimes I, I, and what my mind is thinking about is so many college students. I don't know whether to go to this college or that college. I, I don't think it's a matter of where you go as much as what you do when you get there. Serve God. Wherever you decide to go, whatever you decide to do, you serve Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. And whatever you do there, you do it for the glory of God. And you'll see people come to the loving, saving knowledge of our Lord and Savior. You will see your career develop. You will see education increase. But we can't just get out there and start meandering and we go from one place to the next to the next to the next because our, our expectations will be just diminished. And sad to say, we certainly see churches that way and ministries that way and people that way. In 30 or 40 years, they're looking back on their life thinking, look at everything I could have done. They had the right intention of being on the journey but never drawing that destination. When we do that, we open ourselves up to so many things. But God wants to nurture our expectation. He wants us to nurture our expectation. He wants to speak to our lives to stir that up inside of us. He doesn't want to diminish it and take it away. That's the reason why I believe he makes it so easy to find Jesus Christ. Now, people make it hard, but it's not that hard. And that's what Paul is writing to his friends in Rome. He says, listen, he's talking... Uh, um, much in this passage to Jews, people who are having a hard time balancing the law and the grace of Jesus Christ. And he says, listen, this is not as hard as you are making it. The law points towards Jesus Christ. 
Don't get caught up in what you're doing and think you have to do it the right way every single day or you're not going to find him. Know that the grace of God is there to guide us and direct us in that. And he writes to these guys and he says, listen, it's not as hard as you're making it. He said, the word is in you and the word is near you. And we as Christians, we know that the word of God is in us and the word of God is near us. God is not playing a major game of hide and seek. He, he is not, he, he said, if you seek me, you will find me. What does that scripture mean? That scripture means I have to take the blinders of my eyes off. God's not hiding somewhere that I can't find him. God, sometimes I let my life get so corroded with things, I've got to push that stuff out of my way. Seek your face so I know it's you. And that's my responsibility and your responsibility. God's not trying to hide. And that's what he, Paul is telling his friends. He goes, listen, the word is in you and the word is near you. So how do we nurture our expectation to where it'll grow? How do we increase our expectation? Well, the first thing we do is we confess truth. We confess truth over our situation. Now, we understand that there are physical situations and there are spiritual situations. I look at Paul's life, which many people know he's a famous apostle that set up many churches. He had a deep spiritual battle, and he, his, his burden was to bring the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ to the Jews. That was his spiritual battle that he longed for and that he tried time and time again. But there was this other half of him that would go around and set up churches. He would build tents if he had to. He would do whatever he could to make the money to do what he needed to do, what we would call a modern-day missionary. And he would go out there and he would install preachers. He would install leadership groups. He, he would take people and educate them. And he would do all these things. And there was a visit, very physical side to his spiritual work. And in us, that's the same way. We have to confess truth over the physical side of this thing and over the spiritual side of this. The, the enemy that we see warring against us is very supernatural. And the only way that we can defeat that enemy is through Jesus Christ. That name and that name alone. And I have to confess that time and time again. So as you have expectations in your family, if you have expectations in your business, what are they? What, what has God been speaking to you about your family? What has he been speaking to you about your business? What has he been speaking to you about yourself as an ambassador of our Lord and Savior? What are, what are the expectations that you feel rumbling in your gut, that you feel rumbling in your spirit because he wants to do them? But sometimes we can get blinded and our expectations get diminished. And if we begin to confess, just like we did at salvation, and that's what Paul's really writing here, confess that Jesus Christ is Lord and Savior, that's the beginning of salvation and, and we don't want to change the script as we walk forward in the expectations that Christ sets out for our life. I can go back to that same spirit that I found at the altar with that same amount of conviction whenever I confessed him as the Lord and Savior of my life. I go back to that and say, God, you're going to do some things in my life. So I confess the truth that you are my God and that what you're doing, you have not going to stop because he who begins a good work will complete it. Now I'm going to confess that and confess that and confess that. The last couple of weeks, we've been talking about some wonderful things. And I know you guys have been taking notes, expecting good things, expecting the Holy Spirit to, to move in us. Believe that God has, his, has our best in his mind. 
Sometimes that's so hard to do in a world, especially if you've had different figures in your life that didn't expect the best. We have to actually change our mindset and say, God, no, I'm going to believe that my best interest is in your mind. We also learn the testimonies of others, how powerful that is. It's very relevant when we look in the Word and we dig out, but you know what? Look to your right real quick and look to your left. These people that stand in here, they have testimonies too of how God saved them, how God provided, how God brought a miracle into their life, and that is relevant. You might look at it and say, well, I don't know if it's big enough. Listen, I wasn't the one in the fight. (laughs) I promise you, the more the fight, the bigger the miracle, amen? It might not look like a miracle to me, but it's because I wasn't suited up. I promise you, if there's one person or 15 chasing me with spears, it's serious. <laughs> and that's how we have to look at it. These testimonies of others are so great. Past provisions, look at our life and say, oh God, I remember how you provided for me. I remember how I didn't think I could do that. I remember how I didn't think I was good enough or smart enough or whatever the case may be, but God, you moved and opened a door that there was no other way that that door would open. Oh, Jesus, you provided for me in the past and you'll provide in the future and then ultimately the character of God. Now, we know in our day and age today that character is what causes people to rise to the top. Talent will get you there, but character will let you stay. Character will take you places and open up doors that your talents won't. Now, if we take that and apply that to God and realize that he's a perfect God, right? So his character is flawless. So we can hold him to his word. And maybe you're in that situation where I can see everything or I can't see everything. But I'm going to go back and rely on the character of God and I'm going to confess it. What's the character of God? He is good. He is good. If I just spoke that simple thing over and over, there's no telling how many circumstances would change in my life. That problems I would be able to make it through. Things I would be able to rise above because I remember that God is good. God is good. I think that's why Paul is coming back to his people and saying, listen, don't make it hard. Don't get cut up in all that stuff that you don't understand. You're asking philosophical questions that you don't even know the answers to. And whenever we do that type of stuff, it's not that we shouldn't answer for questions. But listen, whenever confusion and all that other sets in, I can tell you God's nowhere around that. Because he is not the author of confusion. The devil is. That's what the Bible says. But sometimes confusion can creep into my life. I begin to paint my own picture. I begin to take the brush out of God's hand and begin to paint what I think it should look like. The only problem with that is I don't know the beginning from the end. I I read scripture and I'm not the alpha and the omega. I'm not the first and the last. That's Jesus Christ. So if I give him that paintbrush and say, God, you God, and that's what I'm going to confess. I'm going to confess that you're a good God. I don't understand the situation that I'm in. I don't understand why I'm being nice and this other person is not being nice. I don't understand why I'm giving and tithing and doing these things, yet I don't see the increase, God. I don't understand why I've been praying and seeking your face for healing, yet it hasn't come. But I realize you're a good God and you have the paintbrush. So I'm going to let you be the master painter. I'm going to keep in my lane, as we hear so many times. God, you're the God, not me. Because the enemy means to keep his territory. So we are in a battle. One of my favorite movies, there's a guy named Colonel Chesty that walks out and he begins to prepare his men And he's talking about the different places that they will go during World War II. And his job was the Pacific Theater. And he makes this this statement in there. He says, you guys will travel all over and see little specks of island that you did not even know existed. But this empire owns it and they mean to keep it. 
Well, we have an enemy that has some territory and he aims to keep it. So I better be serious about what I confess and confess in faith. I better do it with a heart of elation, knowing that God is going to be true to what he said he's going to do. We see Judas and Peter, and I, I think about them, and I think what happened wrong so much in Judas' life that he would do what he did to his life, that he would go out and hang himself. But Peter, Peter at the same time, man, did so many things wrong, yet we see that he had such a great hand in expanding the church, especially in Acts as we read that book. But I see the two. We look at Judas and we say, yeah, but B Judas betrayed Jesus. Peter did too. He did it three times. Both of them were betrayers. What was the difference? Well, I think we find it obviously whenever Peter goes out and weeps bitterly and we see that first sign of true repentance. And then as we read the text, we see that he goes out, he goes back to the disciples. He didn't go out by himself and try to do it all, but he goes back to his disciples and go back and lead. And then we see that famous scene where he's in the boat and he hears his Lord and Savior's voice and he takes off the top of his tunic because he's so excited. He jumps out of the boat and runs up to the front or runs up to the shore. And during that whole setting, three different times, he says, I love you, Lord. I love you, Lord. I love you, Lord. What was he doing? He was confessing that he loved the Lord. Because whenever we confess with our mouths and confess in our heart, God will do something. So what's some things we gotta confess? I think the first thing that I see is we have to confess the reality of suffering. Let me explain this. There's a difference between bring it on suffering. Okay, none of us wanna do that. Then the reality of knowing that as Christians, as, pe as people, we will suffer. Suffering happens for a multitude of reasons. Three of the major ones is because I'm a Christian, so there's gonna be some things that happen that I can't control. We live in a world that's fallen, some suffering's gonna come through that, and sometimes it's just because I make really bad choices. But suffering is a reality. Because I'm suffering doesn't mean I'm doing everything wrong. And I think that's where we get the hiccup. And we have to confess that God, I understand that sometimes I'm gonna make sacrifices that's gonna hurt. I'm gonna make some sacrifices that I don't understand. I'm gonna make some sacrifices where people look at my reputation, they begin to question it. But you know what, it's all willing because it's for your glory. So I'm gonna confess that God, I realize that suffering is a part of what I do. Suffering is a part of it. And whenever we're really choosing to say, God, I'm gonna suffer, what it does is it softens our spirit. See, that was what the problem with Judas was. His spirit got hardened. They, 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 they were tempted, they were hungry, they were thirsty as they walked with Christ. I mean, those 12, they could say the word was beside us and truly the word was in us. But they had all the same sufferings that we see. But suffering sometimes blinds you. Sometimes the unfairness of life causes you to say things and do things that you really wish you wouldn't have done. I mean, could you imagine Peter? I mean, really all the 12, though, whenever Jesus was taken, all of them hid. Said they watched him from afar. So they all had a little bit of hand in that betrayal. But what happened to the 11? I think they had that willingness to repent. And it showed the softness of their spirit. See, that's the reason why Paul's writing. He says, listen, I want you to confess. Confess that Jesus Christ is Lord because you find salvation. And salvation is really just the revelation that Jesus Christ is who he said he is and I need him and you need him. And whenever we have that willingness to repent, it softens our heart. That's that, that willingness to confess and say, God, I'm gonna do what you tell me to do. I think the thing that 
the, the other thing where he says confess, I think the second thing that I want to talk to you about, how can we build up our expectation, is we believe in our heart. Christ is working through Paul to explain salvation, and he does it really simple. He says you need to confess, you need to speak these things. But you also have to believe in your heart. Believe in your heart in Christ Jesus and that he was raised from the dead. Think about that supernatural belief that Paul is asking the believers that they have to believe. So in our life, there shouldn't be any reason why we should get nervous whenever God expects us to, to, to believe in something supernatural. He's been stirring something in our life through this month and, and, and great things. We're thinking, I don't know if we can do that. Well, that's wonderful because that's where God wants us because he wants to work in our lives in a way that we are not able to do it. And I look at this and I begin to think, God, what does it mean to really truly believe in my heart? I was thinking about whenever Mary was pregnant with our daughter, Callie. You got to meet her this morning. And I would go up and I would, you know, touch Mary's tummy. You know, Mary had some people ask her if they could touch her stomach and she didn't even know them. You know how weird that is? Don't do that. I'm, I, was, as I, was, I was thinking, that it's creepy. You know, the creepy vibe. Anyways, I could because I was, you know, her husband and the father. So I walked up and touched her stomach and what, I, what would I do? I, I would speak to Callie, tell her how beautiful and how wonderful she is. I would read to her. I would take my ear and I'd press it up against Mary's womb and begin to try to hear her heartbeat. I would listen intensely. Many times I would put my hands on, the, on her stomach and I would begin to feel for movement. The baby would kick. Well, when we believe in our heart and we're expecting, it's the very same thing. We have to speak up. If we believe in our heart, let's speak up and speak out against our enemy and say, you cannot have any more territory. You got some kids that you need to speak over. You got some people that you need to speak over that you've been praying for. You've, you've got a job and a business that you need to speak over, a career. You open up your mouth and you begin to speak over it. Speak the goodness of God over it. Speak that he has a plan, that you are the head and not the tail. And I'm gonna speak it and I'm gonna speak it because I go back to the character of God and he's got good things for me. So I'm going to speak up. Just like when I look at that womb and I begin to speak over Callie. I would put my ear up to that womb and I would listen. Now this is the hard part of where we're at in our world because it's so busy and there's so much noise. So I'd, I'd have to like almost cover this ear to press in. And of course I could hear Mary's heart beat. And, but I could, I would, if I was really focused, you know, trying to hear God wants to speak things to you and you've got to get rid of the noise. You've got to push your ear up into God's throne room and say, God, I want to hear your heartbeat. What are you saying? You have my attention. I am focused. What do I need to tune out? Why do I need to take off the table that I could listen for your voice and know what you're saying? Because this expectation in me is rising and it's about to eat me up. Anybody else been there? God, I know you're gonna do something, so what are you saying? Because God, I believe in my heart. And we know that after we get saved, when we believe in our heart, things change. I start coming to church. I start doing things with my money I didn't do before. I start doing things with my family and my time. And that's all the same thing when we believe in our heart that God is gonna birth something in our life that we're expecting something great to happen. Ah, oh. God, what are you trying to say? I want to listen. And finally, that third thing that I see when we believe in our heart is we, we look for movement. 
I know that Callie would kick, and then, of course, as the mother gets closer and closer to delivery, the baby begins to shift and get ready to come see us in the world out of the womb. Well, God, as he births something in you and you have expectation, be ready for some movement. See, there's a rhythm to grace. God will tell us what to do and how to do it. Sow here, praise here, read here, believe here. Go out and speak this, and there's a rhythm to it. In 1 Corinthians 14 and 15, it says, what am I to do? I will pray with my spirit, but I will pray with my mind also. I will sing praise in my spirit, but I will sing with my mind. What is he saying? Spirit, mind, spirit, mind. You see the rhythm that's starting? So God, I wanna feel your movement. I wanna be in the rhythm. What are you telling me to do? Are you telling me to sow here or hold off? Are you asking me to believe here or hold off? Are you asking me to speak or keep my mouth shut? God, are you asking me for the next week just to do nothing but praise you for everything that you're gonna do? I'm gonna do it because I wanna be in your rhythm. I wanna wait for your movement, God. You tell me when to go. You tell me when to stop. You say yes, and I'll say yes. You say no, and I'll say no because I wanna be in step with you. I wanna be the rhythms of grace so how can you get in the rhythms of grace God's wanting to do some stuff are there some skills that you can sharpen some issues you need to get figured out we all have them maybe there's some maturity that we need to develop because God's trying to do something and we want to be in that rhythm and in that grace we want to confess that God we know the expectation is real and we want to believe in our heart and whenever we truly believe in our heart, we know that God is going to deliver because we know that his character is good. Amen. We know that what he's birthing inside of you, and listen, we're believing as a staff. We're believing as elders and deacons and, and, and just believing that God is going to move in your life. But listen, don't let other experiences diminish your expectation. Let God paint the picture of our life, of this next week. And let's just start, what do we gotta do tomorrow? What do we have to do tomorrow? And we're gonna confess the things that we need to confess. We're gonna get rid of the things that we need to get rid of. And that belief that's in your heart, congratulations, because God is beginning to do something in your life that is gonna be great. Would you bow your heads with me? We are so thankful you joined us today. We would love to hear from you at rayofhopepodcast at gmail.com. Let us know how you are encouraged and how we can pray for you. Remember, Christ in you is the hope of glory and hope changes everything.